Hello, my name is Josh Roan, and I'm lead pastor here at Zion Church, a United Methodist congregation in York, Pennsylvania. We're a church with a physical location, but we also have an online presence each and every weekend. But today, I want to thank you for joining us for our podcast, something that's a little bit different rather than the songs and the hymns and all those different things that are part of our regular weekend experiences. This is just the main scripture and the sermon, an opportunity for us maybe to hear again God's word, which we tuned into this weekend, or maybe an opportunity to hear it afresh and anew. So I would encourage you as the week begins to listen in and to lean in to what God is saying to you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to the men for that very powerful and potent reminder about Christ and his love for us, but also the ways that he modeled for us how to endure the temptations that we face in life. And with that in mind this morning, I'm going to ask that you stand for our gospel lesson. It comes from Luke's gospel, the fourth chapter. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 13. If you want to follow along, you can do so in your pew Bible in the New Testament section on page number 60. Again, that's Luke's Gospel, the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 13. Hear now the word of the Lord. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please bow with me in prayer. Gracious Lord and God, we humble ourselves before you. And Lord, we thank you for Jesus, who knew our pain, who experienced our grief, who is tempted just as we are tempted. But Lord, we thank you that in pain, as he experienced grief and as he endured temptation, he did not sin. That he was able to be that perfect sacrifice to atone and to reconcile to us an unholy people to you, a holy God. But Father, we also thank you that as we look at his life, as we study the way that he lived, the way that he endured temptation, the Lord, that that too helps us, that as we seek to live for you in this life, we have a model. We have someone who can assist us, someone who can intercede on our behalf, someone who can come before you and express our needs even when we can't give voice to them. So Father, today I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in our midst, 
that indeed your spirit would open our eyes, that we would see your truth in fresh new ways. Lord, your spirit would unclog our ears, that we might hear your voice in a way that would challenge us and change us. And Lord, we pray that indeed you would give us hearts that are receptive to all that you desire to share with us this day. So now, Lord, I ask humbly that you would speak through me, or I ask that you'd speak in spite of me. But I pray that regardless, your word would go forth and that we, your people, would be changed. It's in Christ's name and to his honor and glory we ask all these things. And together, all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Tests. Just hearing that word can maybe cause your stomach to rumble a little bit, or maybe your palms to get a little bit sweaty, or maybe it brings a little bit of stress to the back of your neck. You see, tests, they can strike fear into the heart of even the best and the brightest. The most knowledgeable in our midst, even from time to time, can get anxious when faced with a test. Because the point of a test is to gauge what we know, what we've comprehended, what our competencies are, the things that we're capable of in life. Now in school, the tests were designed by our teachers, by the school administration, and by even the state to gauge our comprehension of particular subject matter. And they would use the information that they gleaned from those tests to determine whether we had an adequate comprehension of those things. And if we had adequate comprehension, we could move on to the next level, whether it was the next level of the material or maybe even the next grade level that was in front of us. At the garage, our vehicles are put through a test. Through a comprehensive test once a year, the brakes are examined, the tread depth is measured, the brake bulbs are determined if they work. The turn signal lights are tested to make sure that they're functioning properly. And of course, if you live here in York County, you also have that emissions test that we have to take, making sure that the O2 sensors, the gas caps, the catalytic converter, and all the exhaust system of your car are working properly and functioning as it should. Now, in today's text, Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit, and he's led into the desert. And he's led into that place for a time of testing, according to verse 13, a time of examining. His examiner in this case is none other than the tempter, the deceiver, Satan. Someone who's known to dabble in half-truths. Someone who's known to share just enough truth that it kind of can hook you and and make it seem like it's right, that it's true, that it's correct, that everything is as it should be. But someone who's deceptive enough to sneak in and manipulate even those truths so that really they aren't all that they seem to be tripping up some of, some of the strongest men and women of faith. Now, there's much that we could say about the deceiver this morning. There's much that we could say about the temptations that he hurled in Jesus' direction. The temptations themselves are quite interesting. Satan offers Jesus bread, power, protection. Things, are, things that we, at least from time to time, each and every one of us are tempted with. And each time, Jesus refuses. He says no to the bread. He resolutely and confidently refuses to extend the power that the deceiver wants to give him to receive the kingdoms of the world. He even rejects the opportunity to have the angelic throng come and save him to protect him bodily from harm. Full of the Holy Spirit, well versed in God's word, Jesus stands firm against all those temptations. He stands firm in that moment and won't give in. 
He refuses to buy into the devil's lies. And so with that in mind this morning, we can spend the remainder of our time looking at each and every one of the temptations. We could analyze the allure that each of these things pose for each and every one of us. We could even talk about some practical ways to overcome each and every one of these temptations. And to do that wouldn't be a bad thing. To do that could be very instructive. It could be possibly quite helpful for many of us. But as I thought about this over the last few weeks, I thought of the many sermons that I've preached upon this passage, the many sermons that I've heard about this scripture, and a lot of times they do fall into that pattern, looking at those specific sins, looking at some practical ways for us to survive. But this morning, I want to look at Jesus' temptation from a slightly different perspective, a slightly different perspective, but one that I think is equally instructive and could be even more helpful for us, possibly. And it's this. Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I want to look at where the tempting takes place. I want to look at where all of this stuff is going on. Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Spirit for a 40-day period of temptation. And it's a long and arduous season that he has to undergo, a season of temptation, a season of fasting, a season of being put to the test. But it's an important decision in Jesus' life. It's an unavoidable season in his life and in yours and mine. It's a season that's utterly necessary to produce in Jesus this quality of character that we see throughout the Gospels so that he can go and live out his God-given mission without these distractions getting in the way. But like I said, from time to time, we too find ourselves in the wilderness, don't we? Chances are you've been in the wilderness. You know what the wilderness feels like. Or maybe you're in the wilderness right now in your life. Or maybe the wilderness will be something that you encounter in the future. The wilderness for us as human beings, it comes as many for, in many forms. To you, it might look like a doctor's waiting room. The uncontrollable shaking, the inconsolable tears that are flowing as you receive unexpected news. If you've been there, you know what I mean. You just feel kind of cut at the knees. You can almost feel the sand beating fiercely upon your face as you find yourself in the desert. It's enough to drive you to your knees and make you cry tears that you never thought you would cry. For others, the wilderness might be a well-worn mattress covered by well-worn sheets that are scratchy. The feel of bed springs poking you in the back because now you find yourself in a cheap motel or maybe even a shelter. You're trying to recover from some brokenness in life. Maybe the brokenness of a marriage that's on the rocks and is falling apart. Maybe it's a foreclosure that's hit your family. Or maybe it's a fire that came and consumed the house of your dreams. But again, you know that feeling of wilderness. That feeling of being desolate, alone. Maybe it's sleepless nights, the countless questions. Those things that leave you wondering if you're teetering on the edge. Ready to give up hope. Ready to give in to despair. The wilderness for you may take the form of unemployment. Or maybe it's the unexpected layoff. Or maybe it's the death of someone that you love. The fact of the matter is, we could go on and on this morning, couldn't we? 
But this is what we need to hear. Wilderness comes in many forms, and most of us don't recognize the wilderness until we're smack dab in the middle of it. And it's then that we look around. It's then that we see all those things that we once held on to, those things that we used to use as a crutch, those things that we used to feel like offered so much support are no longer there. We're confronted by the stark reality of the situation that we find ourselves in. It seems like barren desolation envelops us from all sides. As human beings, we don't like the wilderness, do we? We feel fragile in the wilderness. We feel vulnerable. We feel at risk. The wilderness for us is hard, just as it was for Jesus. So we do all that we can to avoid the wildernesses of life. We spend lots of money and time trying to stay out of the wilderness. But the wilderness is wild. It can only be avoided for so long. It can only be held back for a bit of time. Eventually, each and every one of us is going to experience the wilderness. Some are going to experience it for a short season, some for a longer season, some for a season that feels like it's never going to end. And once we enter into the wilderness, the temptations, they begin to assail, don't they? They come quickly and they come often there in the wilderness. And because we're weak, because we're vulnerable, because we're fragile in those moments, it's the ideal time for the tempter, the deceiver, to tempt us put us to the test, to examine our loyalties, to see if we will remain faithful in those difficult times. But before we begin to despair of the wilderness, we need to remember that it was because of Jesus' time in the wilderness that we have hope. If he could overcome these temptations of bread, power, and protection, so can we. And if he was able to emerge on the other side with a resolute focus on God's purpose in his life, then we too can emerge stronger, more focused upon God, and more focused upon what he wants to accomplish in us and through us. But friends, know this, passing the test won't be easy. Dealing with the assaults that come are not going to be for the faint of heart. Standing firm in the face of the temptation that comes your way, it's not going to be easy. It took a lot out of Jesus. Did you notice what Luke says? He emerged famished. He was worn out. He was tired like many of us. But still, Jesus shows us that temptations can be overcome. His time in the wilderness reminds us that spiritual growth and maturity can in fact take place in those places that we often want to write out and get away from. In fact, sometimes... Sometimes God does a work within us in the wilderness when we're at our lowest, when we feel most vulnerable, when we feel famished, because it's in those moments that we turn to Him and cling to Him in ways that we never have before. And it's true. It's there in the wilderness, it's there in the desert that Jesus learned to manage His appetites, His human appetites that all of us have. It was there in the wilderness that he was able to, 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 to resist that lure, a lure of turning stones to bread. You know what? We too, we can be in the wilderness and we can learn to manage our appetites with God's help. Jesus knew that he had been given power by the Father. Incredible power. Power that he could speak and bodies could be healed. Power 
power beyond our comprehension. And easily with that power, he could have turned the stones to bread. But he knew that the power that he had been given was intended for something so much greater. Not only bringing healing to bodies, but freeing men and women from sin. The temptation, though, in that moment as he was hungry was real. The hunger that he felt in the pit of his stomach, that hangering and hankering for food, it was real. The allure of power, that too was real. That desire to protect himself as he stood at the pinnacle of the temple, that too was real. But to use the power that he had been given, to use that power that the Father had entrusted to him to do anything less than what God the Father desired with it, he knew it wasn't right. He knew it would jeopardize his mission. What God had sent him to earth to do. And so I love what Jesus says in that moment. Man shall not live by bread alone. He says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You shall worship the Lord your God. You shall have your focus on God alone. And only Him shall you serve. God's Word was Jesus' Word. Amen? And the Word of God, the Word of God that had filled Jesus came forth in that moment. It came forth in such a way that he was able to reject the deceiver's temptation. It was because of the Word of God being alive and active in him that he was able to pass that test. Friends, for you and I, the temptations are equally real. The deceiver's work in our lives in those times of wilderness, it's very palpable and it can be felt in any number of ways. When we're at our weakest, when we're most vulnerable, it's then that the tempter and deceiver challenges us and encourages us to use what power we have to make ourselves feel better. To do what we can to satiate the pain and discomfort that we're feeling in that moment. A temptation offers an easy way out. And we know what those temptations are like. They're like that pressure to fill a relational hole in our life with a relationship that we know doesn't bring honor and glory to God. We know the temptation comes in the form of numbing our pain through various substances that we feel might take the edge off. Or maybe it's visiting that buffet eating that tasty cake, or maybe even eating the entire box. Because we think for a time that if we eat and eat and eat, we'll forget about what we're going through. But in those moments, rather than turning to those simple fixes, rather than turning to those things that offer temporary satisfaction, in those moments we need to delve into God's Word. It's then that we need to be reminded by God's word and by the encouragement of the body of Christ that we're more than our appetites. That there's more to life than these things that we're temporarily hungry for. It's in that moment that we need to be reminded of God's plans and purposes for our lives as his people. 
Because, friends, let's face it, what God is up to, what God is doing, and what God desires to do in and through each and every one of us is far greater than that wilderness season. It's far more lasting than those temporary fixes that are being offered in that moment. And in many respects, I think that's why the season of Lent is so important. Because for us as Christians, it's an opportunity for us once a year to enter into the wilderness intentionally. It's an opportunity for us over a 40-day period of time to intentionally reject those things that distract us, those things that offer cheap and temporary satisfaction. It's an opportunity for us to get rid of those things that preoccupy us and keep us from focusing on what God really wants to do in us and through us. It's an opportunity for us to realize that we use these things as pacifiers in our life, much like a baby would use a pacifier to assuage their hunger or maybe their thirst or to get rid of that pain as they're teething. We too use things to pacify us in life. Maybe it's a TV blaring so that we don't have to deal with the hard, arduous work of sitting in silence. Or maybe it's we've not been taking care of ourselves and not observing Sabbath as we know we should, so we just hammer caffeinated beverage after caffeinated beverage, whether it's coffee or Red Bull or whatever it might be. But during the season of Lent, during the season of Lent, we give up these things, right? We refuse to allow these pacifiers into our lives. We say no to these crutches that we so often lean upon. And in so doing, we become freed up to be honest with ourselves and with God. To acknowledge our hunger. To express to God that we are famished and we need to be fed. But we need nourishment from His Word. To acknowledge that we're lonely. To cry out to God. To let Him know that we desire companionship that we need His companionship and that of the body of Christ. To acknowledge our weakness, to seek God's strength, which Scripture says is made perfect in our weakness. Now at first, our minds are going to tell us and our bodies are going to agree that we need these pacifiers, that if we don't give in to these things, that if we don't reach for that cup of coffee or that pack of hostess cakes, if we don't reach for that other thing, that we're missing out. That we're missing out or maybe that we're on the brink of despair. That we just won't make it through. But friends, that's not true. That's a lie being told by the deceiver. Yes, we may be out of breath for a time. At time, we may feel a little bit off kilter. We may be hungry even for a while. But as we learn to say no, as we refuse to give in to these pacifiers, we learn to trust God more fully. And as we learn to trust God, we learn to hear and trust His Word, to recognize His voice as He speaks afresh and anew to us. And as we learn to recognize God's voice, we learn to trust in the Spirit and lean into and rely upon the Spirit's power. And we also learn to focus on God's plans and purposes for our lives, just as Jesus did. So friends, this Lenten season, I encourage you to avoid these things that so easily pacify. Cast them off. Say no to them. 
so that you might lean and live into God's voice and what he has to say. So that you might trust more fully in the power of the Holy Spirit and so that you are freed up to engage more fully in the mission that God has for you. Friends, to God be glory in his church and to God be glory in our lives, both now and forever. Amen.